0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman-Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity.
1: Well, if you couldn't
0: express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself?
1: And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Tooth craft sanity, craft sanity, art and craft creativity.
0: Interviews of people who make they are here to help keep you safe, craft sanity, craft sanity, craft
1: sanity.
0: Hello and welcome to episode two hundred and twenty-two. On this show, I'm going to be featuring a conversation with Dana Walton, a 21-year-old Grand Rapids artist who I met a while back, and I've been kind of watching her art develop through social media, and also I've seen her at many shows here around the Grand Rapids area. I got an opportunity recently to hang out with Dana while she was printing the gallery where she works called Lions and Rabbits. Dana is just wrapping up her education uh, at Kendall College of Art and Design. And her story is really interesting in the sense that she is a very accomplished artist already, and she hasn't even finished school. She's been able to sell her work successfully around town locally and also online. She has quite a robust following on social media as well. I think this story is of particular interest because the cost of education is going up and up and up, and Art students often are faced with that daunting reality of graduating and then it's like, okay, if you're not working for a publishing house or a company or uh, you're the in-house artist somewhere, it's really up to you to kind of hustle and make it all work and make a living. A lot of students feel a lot of pressure with that debt that they have and if you're a young artist or maybe the parent of someone who is looking to go into art, this is a definitely a good podcast to listen to because Dana's story is very inspiring. And she really does stress that artists shouldn't wait to get their work out there and start you know, selling it and just making a business for themselves. So I think this will be really informative and something that a lot of people need to hear if they can try to sidestep those major debt issues. And um, I think you're just going to enjoy hearing from Dana because she's a fun and articulate young woman and a super talented artist. She is coming out of school with a printmaking degree. Uh, however, she started out in illustration and her illustra- illustrations are breathtaking. She is very, very talented. So it's pretty awesome that she's able to come into printmaking with an awesome, like a strong background in illustration. So I think this will be a really fun story for you. So settle in with a project and we're going to get to that talk. Here we go. Dana, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you about your art career that is already in full swing.
1: Thank you for having me. I feel
0: like you've been making art for a long time and you're only 21. <laughs> like I, I I met yeah. you originally. I feel like it's been, I, I've known about your work for a couple of years now and Oh really? Yeah, and you're just wrapping up art school. You haven't even finished art school yet. You have all these accounts with different shops in town, and you're you're (laughs) selling your own. It it just it's really great, and I think this the story will be really inspiring other artists who are just coming out of art school, and even those who've been out there for a while selling their work and doing their thing, because it's always fun to hear about other makers and what they do. And I love that you blend fine art with embroidery and printmaking and all these other <laughs> things. So why don't we start by maybe having you just introduce your business, tell us about your business and what you make, what you do.
1: Sure. So right now, um, Solstice Handmade is a relatively new thing. I think I switched to that name about two years ago, but I've been doing this whole business for since about freshman in high school, so 2011-ish. But right now, my main focus is using the printmaking skills that I learned in school to make reproductions of my artwork that are a bit more affordable for people. So whether that means making posters or tea towels, home goods, things like that, or clothing, um, anything that gets people interested in wanting to participate in the art is my goal. And if you can tell people where, where you go to school... I go to Kendall College of Art and Design in Grand Rapids, and I'm just about to finish up here at, in the beginning of May with a printmaking degree. So that's been a fun ride. I started in illustration, too. Some, my background is in drawing and kind of analytical side to things. I had a focus in natural science illustration, which I feel like you can probably guess just looking at my subject matter, a lot of plants and animals and things that make me excited.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a very strong presence in your work. (laughs) So it's, it looks like you're really blending while your major, did your major change from illustration to printmaking?
1: Yeah, only this summer too. But I got to a point about two years ago, um, when I changed my name, really, it kind of just fell right in line with that just ended up being what I was doing. Like I learned more about printmaking. And suddenly, that's all I was motivated to do, but I still felt like my drawings were illustrations and then the printmaking came afterwards and that's what I was doing with it. So it was really hard for me to make that distinction. And it really just came down to what was more practical and what would I learn more from for my last year um more than carrying what the name on a degree says. Right.
0: Well it also looks like you have the illustration part well in hand. I mean your illustration work is fantastic it really is just stunning work that you're able to do and so just for those who haven't seen your work yet and they're listening to this I mean we'll obviously refer them to the website so they can see everything but can you describe
1: what you're really drawn to draw so I really love kind of showcasing different species of plants and animals or invertebrates whatever it is that are something that you might not normally notice, but that doesn't mean that they're rare or hard to find, or they're just kind of hiding in plain sight. And I think that people could use a little bit more awareness about them. So sometimes they'll be endangered species and sometimes they'll just be things like insects that might not be so pretty and might not get the attention that they, I think that they deserve. So that's kind of my goal through things. And for a lot of my product-based stuff, that's what I focus on for a lot of the work artwork that I do for myself like not really intending to sell it takes more of a metaphorical form like I use the same plants and animals but to represent different relationships in my life and that's been what I'm focusing on for my printmaking thesis so that's been fun to kind of explore two sides of the same coin and like how how in depth you can really go with the same subject but yeah I focus a lot on drawing analytically so everything's pretty detailed and I love Focusing on symmetry and all that good stuff. And
0: have you always drawn, like, as a kid? Were you always drawing like insects and and things from the natural world, or is this something recent? <laughs>
1: yeah, that- I mean, it kind of went in phases, like like any kid. Uh, there was the horse phase and the the undersea phase, where I just wanted to go <laughs> to aquariums all the time and always kind of an obsessive jumping from one thing to the next. But yeah, it was always kind of centered around different different creatures. I had to bird phase that I think I can say I'm still in, but <laughs> it was pretty hard for when I was in about eighth
0: grade. Like, <laughs> As far as mediums that you work with, obviously you work with the printmaking, and do you also
1: paint as well? I do, yeah. When I when I sketch and when I draw for my printmaking projects, I just use a lot of pen and ink. I love brush pen because it's so expressive and pretty quick. When you have a lot to do, that, that really gets the job done, but when I really have time to sit down and work on something, I love using watercolor and gouache, The colors are unlike anything and I've gotten comfortable with how to control it in the way that I like so you know it's to the point where it doesn't make me nervous anymore like oh I hope this turns out how I'm thinking I feel like (laughs) pretty comfortable with it you know because that's always a fear it's always intimidating to sit down and try to match what's in your head but the more you
0: just make yourself do it. (laughs) You mentioned that you started your business when you were a freshman in high school. And what did your business look like at that point? What were you making and selling?
1: Oh, goodness. I I did it (laughs) with a friend in the very beginning, and she did a lot of sewing, Um, Janelle Bellamy. She was one of my close birder friends, actually, and we got into this together. And I did a lot of jewelry and, like, wood burning on leather and weird things. Not very, like, what I would consider like it's all art but definitely more crafty than like art based compared to what I do now you know like drawing wasn't really a part of it at all for me in my head there was always like a very clear separation between my like hobby stuff that I would have on Etsy and then the stuff I would draw for school or for me and um, all, all along the way the the goal was kind of to get rid of that which took a long time but yeah the beginning we had a different name we went by the art swallow which is terrible and I always hated it. <laughs> but you know, we didn't come up with something better for like five years. So, so you just went with it. And that's
0: so you guys crazy. were selling stuff on Etsy. And was it a profitable enterprise that you had? I mean, <laughs> for being 14, I was happy with $200 a month. Like that was cool. <laughs> it,
1: was, it wasn't bad.
0: No, that's not bad. I mean, some people's Etsy shops don't make $200 a month. They're struggling to get reach an audience so uh yeah that's not too bad so um
1: so at what point did things shift I think it was in the spring of my sophomore year of college so not right away um at first I was still doing oh tie-dye used to be a huge huge thing towards the end of my high school years and beginning of college that was that was the focus and it was fun and that definitely helped me transition into interest in natural dyeing, which led to like looking at the species around me more carefully and what um, different plants might have a use. But I think I started to take it more seriously, being able to have it reliant on my art and drawing and painting skills when I did a fellowship at a place called Pierce Cedar Creek Institute. So I stayed there for a summer. They host about 20 different college kids. Most of them are biology field techs doing different research projects. Yeah. So So how did you sneak in as an art student? They take about two artists as a fellow each year that are interested and like want to be around that and learn from people that have a different area of focus. But I think doing that and doing this program and realizing that, wow, like it was, it was paid. It was a fellowship. I really didn't have to work and I could treat that project like it was my work. I was it just kind of like shifted my whole mindset of what I could really take seriously if I just, like, really insisted on it. And, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that was, like, a big step. And so was yeah. it for the whole summer, or how many, how long was it, the fellowship?
1: Yeah, yep, it was about three months. It was as close as I've ever oh. been living in dorms. It was all of us in this little house, 20 kids with twin, like, almost bunk beds, just <laughs> in these rooms, and it was so fun, though. I would just paint all So it things. wasn't a
0: luxury luxury accommodations, but you got paid to oh, make no. art for three months
1: yeah which is pretty cool Mm -hmm. nothing crazy but you know it made up for what else I would have had to do you know at that point having to get some kind of a day job to pay for tuition or something it kind of filled that gap and that was very nice I'm very grateful for that and I still am good friends with a lot of people I've met through there and I've learned so much and I, I love having this resource of people that if I have questions about something I want to do a project about I can like check and make sure I'm being accurate and it's just such a great way to learn outside of school, which is something I worry about as I'm about to graduate. Like, how am I going to keep growing? And
0: Well, I can tell you, as a lifelong learner of art, um, there's a lot of ways you can, you know, continue to learn. So and I think the thing is, you already have that mindset going, you know, going into the real world here. A lot of people think, OK, I turned my tassel I'm done. And um, and that's probably one of the worst attitudes to have. And I think it's wonderful when people are like yeah. actually thinking about like, okay, how can I keep learning? You're going to keep learning just with having For that sure. attitude. Because you're already saying like, hey, I want to know more. And that's fantastic. I do want to circle back to one thing. Where was that fellowship located? What state were you in?
1: It was just here in Michigan, not too far away in Hastings. Oh, really? I had so, no idea. Yeah. Like a stone's throw away. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful place. They have a lot of really cool programs too, where they have different speakers come in that study different things and they host quarterly artists groups will come in. So Kendall's worked with them before. I know right now they have the Southwest Michigan printmakers guild. I want to, I want to say, I'm not quite sure on that name, but a bunch of woodcuts are up right now and they're gorgeous. And they, um, they, they have monthly brunches where you can go see the new artwork and hear a speaker. And the trails are incredible. Yeah, definitely a place to check out if you haven't.
0: So it I have not. And that sounds like a great place uh, to go. And so you're still connected, it sounds like. It, it's a place you go back to.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, I try to as much as I can. I had a close friend do the same fellowship last summer, too. So that was nice to have someone to go visit. And Yeah, it's just great. It's a nice break and a good way to get inspired and kind of like remember why. I want to do what I want to
0: do. <laughs> yeah, well, it's easy to get bogged down, especially when you're in school and you're trying to finish. It's a lot of stress, uh-huh. a lot of, you know. And, and another thing, too, I wanted to talk about, and you can just talk about as much as you're comfortable talking about, but um, you're in a pretty unique situation. Um, I mean, you you are at a school that is pricey, but also a good school. It's one. It's a school that people recognize across the country. A lot of art students want to go to Kendall. So congrats on A, getting in and B, graduating. Oh, you're, you. you're almost graduating with um, into a situation where you don't have the equivalent of a small mortgage um, <laughs> to pay in tuition. <laughs> yeah. it, now, this is something we talked about before. Are you going to be graduating with no debt from school? Is that something that you've been able to... Yeah. Now that is pretty impressive because Kendall for those who don't know Kendall is about um 40,000 a year to go there and that's not including it does that include like living or or just tuition Yep just
1: T- tuition, just tuition. not not supplies just tuition yep
0: Now and how were you able to pull that off for the other art students out there who are like oh my gosh how did she do it <laughs> How did you do
1: it um, Part of it was just being Kind of lucky in stumbling across a scholarship competition that they offer to high school seniors, so the fact that it you have to be there in person to bring your work and be there for the reception, so that kind of limits it um, to people within a drivable distance and then people of this specific age range and you're allowed to enter three different works that are they don't even they don't even have to be recent. I entered one, I think that was two or three years old, and ended up getting an award through there that Made my tuition about what I would pay at GRCC to go full time. Wow! So that combined with a grade based scholarship through Ferris Ferris State University, which is such a blessing. I'm glad that they teamed up to be able to keep tuition a little bit more affordable. Crazy to think if they weren't together, what it would be. But with with those two things to help me, because I don't get. You know it's crazy. Like because I started working so young and I had savings, I didn't get any help from the government. <laughs> because so it's like if I didn't work and didn't have the savings, I might have gotten some financial aid. But that that's okay. That didn't happen. I'm glad. I'm glad that I did work. But crazy to think about. And yeah. So through um, my first two years was mostly online based when I was still doing Etsy, and it was about last year. I started teaching workshops and realizing that, oh, wow, I really enjoy this and this can be worth my time too. And then I actually get to interact with people. And when I started doing art shows and art markets and different events like that, I just realized that, yeah, my heart really wasn't in the online stuff where I would just sit and sew in my bedroom all the time and always be running back and forth between the post office. And definitely a lot more fulfilling to be able to see where what you're making is going and have conversations with people and yeah, you learn so much more. So I also work at a gallery in town called Lions and Rabbits. That's where I'm able to teach workshops and have gradually transitioned from being an intern there to working, working for Hannah, helping out with the programming and curating. So that, you know, I'm only able to do one day a week with my school schedule, but it all it all adds up to making it work. You're working all the time, it, it
0: seems like. on Oh, yeah. On your oh, yeah so it's fine. not, it's not like you're just sitting back eating bonbons on the couch while your tuition is paid. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> no, so, it's, more, it's more like all my friends have this understanding that if I say we're going to hang out, it means like we get a bottle of wine and I'm sitting there drawing or sewing while we all
0: talk. <laughs> so there's always I'm some work going cool on. With it. Yeah, but it sounds like you like the work you're doing. So it's not it's it's not a like drudgery, you know. It sounds like it's something that you really enjoy. I know I spent some time with you at Lions and Rabbits last week, where you were printing, and you seem to, I mean, be quite happy um, doing what you're doing, and that's awesome (laughs) to see. That I love it,
1: you know. And I think what helps too is having such a variety of different things that I'm working on. Like you know, some people will kind of give me a little shit, like, "Oh, why why do you do all of this if it's stresses you out sometimes but that's the only thing that makes it bearable being so busy is being able to like jump from different things you know give your mind a break it doesn't feel like quite so monotonous
0: well and let's talk about about
1: some of the variety in your work because you
0: we've talked about printmaking you do a lot of printing what what are you printing on and then let's talk also about some of the other work because you do embroidery as well and teach embroidery and so let's talk about some of the variety of your of your art business
1: Most of the things that I sell and able to keep them more affordable, I rely on screen printing for that. So that lets me take ink drawings done right on tracing paper and just directly put them, bring them onto a screen and I can print them on, I do the tea towels. So cotton, I print yardage that I send out to some different people here in town to sew into things. So they can offer a skill that I don't have to give us a product that people will enjoy. I work with 934 Bag Works that makes artist rolls for people to store their pens and brushes in and different bags. We're working on some fanny packs for the summer. And Christina from My Lovely Muse sews me headbands and crop tops. And we're working on some other fun projects like underwear and working with a guy soon in Marquette to make some hats. My main goal, I I love just making art on paper, but a lot of people can't seem to justify buying that they're like what What do I do with it what do you mean it's with print <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's just, it just is what it is I don't know what you want me to say but yeah so working on fabric just lets me um, kind of gives me a broader range of things I can make because I can sit down one day and print a couple yards and have it in made into several different things and yeah I guess the limitation of screen printing is that, it, that whatever you're working with has to be flat when you start <laughs> so certain things don't work well, so that's why we go straight for the fabric first when I can, and I'm trying to think what else. I print on cowls that I collaborate with Adventure Textiles to make. She natural dyes cotton flannel and puts leather tabs on it so that I can make, or she makes those into wearable accessories, and that's been a really fun project to kind of the back and forth involved with I'll put the artwork on there before or after she dies it. But we each kind of get to make this choice of color or design and are open to the other one's interpretation. And yeah, I love that passing back and forth of things. Well,
0: and then you're also doing um, embroidery. And is that more or less in workshops where you're teaching the embroidery?
1: Yeah, I do it. I do it for myself when I can and when I have the time. But it's, again, one of those things that takes a lot of hours. And it's just, hard to profit from. So usually when I do it, I'm doing it as examples for classes or personal projects. Every once in a while, I'll get a commission that I can I can justify like somebody's willing to make that work. But yeah, it's a really fun skill to teach. And I like the idea that you can use it to like give things that you might have kind of a new life Mm -hmm. and not have to always purchase new clothing. But yeah, yeah, that's been that's been a fun one. And and when you're teaching
0: embroidery, because you're also working from the natural world, with your embroidery, too. So yeah. when people go to one of your workshops, you, they'll learn some basic stitches, but they're going to learn it in the context of some really cool, you know, things that they're going to be making, not just, oh, this us practice these stitches. At least that's my understanding from reading your – I haven't take, been able to take one of your classes yet, but it looks really cool, the stuff you're having your students stitch.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, we, I try to pick different themes that are interesting and make it a little bit more – I mean, it's educational, it's a workshop, but in different ways, too. So one that's been popular is we do cellular embroidery, where I bring a bunch of books of, with different pictures of microbes and things like that. And so we have a bunch of examples. And the idea is then you learn five different basic stitches. And then as an idea of how to apply them, we look at these different images. And the working with the cellular ones is really fun, because it's just really pattern-based, like it doesn't necessarily look like a virus or a plant cell. It just looks like a, some really crazy shapes. And it's, it's fun because there are things you might not come up with without that inspiration. So that, that's that been a fun one. And then I do insect embroidery, floral embroidery, mushroom embroidery in the fall. <laughs> I tried that out. That was a fun one. It was almost too niche. It was kind of a weird time of year. But it's slow season, but... The people that are attracted to these types of classes usually have a reason that they are. So they usually have good stories to tell or, you know, some reason that they're drawn to this, whether it's through their own jobs and their own work or different experiences that they've had. But, you yeah, that's my favorite part is towards the end of the class when I'm d- we're done going over the technical stuff and people are working on a final project, um, just seeing the conversations that start when everybody has this common interest.
0: Yeah, they look really fun. Yeah, I try, I'm getting ready
1: for one this afternoon and I'm excited to see how that goes.
0: Yeah. And what are you teaching this mm-hmm. afternoon?
1: today is plant anatomy embroidery which is a new one it's a variation of the floral embroidery we use the same beans but then the patterns that we use are the cross sections of different plants for people to fill in with their stitches and we'll kind of talk about the different parts of parts of plants and yeah it's a fun one it was really fun to make those templates do you
0: screen print your template or what do you do for when people come in do they draw their own or how does that work
1: so i used to have everybody kind of draw their own and it was guided and i would help people when they when they needed it but kind of found that a lot of people found that drawing element of it a little bit intimidating so i've started just drawing up quick simple designs because you know they're going to be filled in so they can't be too complicated but i think that helps people get a handle on it without being so intimidated and i always have extra fabric available if people do want to do their own thing i always love seeing what someone will come up with but yeah, having the ability to screen print makes that really affordable and easy for me to do.
0: And is this an advanced class? I mean, do your are your classes a continuation of the last class, or can people pop in to any of these classes and kind of pick up and be fine?
1: All of them right now, the embroidery ones are pretty introductory level. I'd love to get into some some more advanced one. Watch, I did one this summer that was a garment embroidery class. So people would we'd go over the basic stitches, and then they would bring something of their own to sew on and we talk about different ways to ornament things that might make sense like placement and just dealing with different materials so that's something I'd really like to do more of and I'd love to do on talking about embroidery more as an art like when people do I think they call it thread painting like oh my gosh even following yes. a pattern and just isn't it gorgeous yeah I think that would be really fun really fun to practice so definitely have ideas but that's kind of an after graduation thing for me how did you learn to embroider? I'm assuming that's not a big
0: skill that's taught at, at Kendall. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Kendall doesn't even have a
1: fibers program.
0: Which I know. I I'm, so I I'm so sad about that. I'm so sad about that because <laughs> they used
1: to. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I did when I was really young with my grandma and then just had an interest in it and looked, watched a lot of YouTube videos and kind of picked things up. And it's one of those things where once you understand if, the basic elements, it's pretty easy to look at other people's work and be like, oh, that's an interesting way that they did that, and then do your own take on that.
0: Embroidery is very popular, and I think that it's really awesome when people are kind of given some creative license to kind of go off-road a little bit. So instead of going to the store and buying a traditional you know, sampler or you know, a specific big pillow pattern, because uh, some people really just want to do their own thing, and I think it's awesome that you're giving people the tools to do exactly that. So that's really fantastic. And you're also building community because at those round tables, people, <laughs>
1: they get in conversations yeah. and it's really fun. I think something that I like about it, too, is that it's like having people learn it themselves and having that experience of seeing what goes into it. Maybe they'll understand why when there are embroidered things out there that people make and spend a lot of hours on, like that. that's why they might cost more and why they're worth it. And yeah, just like understanding the tradition behind it, too, is something that's good for people to know I think.
0: Do you see yourself after graduation dividing time between teaching and making your own products? Uh, Do you want to do more of either one or do you like that mix?
1: I definitely like it. I'm kind of limited right now in what I can teach just because I don't have a lot of the resources to teach the printmaking stuff that I'd like to but I definitely still enjoy it and it's something I want to keep doing. It kind of keeps me on my toes and thinking of ways to like present things that I'm interested in in a new and creative way and definitely pushes me to be more social and just get better at talking to people. And yeah, I think the making stuff is definitely what I care about the most, but I I need both of them, I think, to be happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I know that you made a choice uh, recently to shift your work from Etsy, your shop, from an Etsy-based business to now you have your own website and you're, you're dealing directly with your customers. And how has that worked for you? Because I know a lot of people have made that jump. I have not made that jump yet. um, But what has been your experience making that leap? So my thing with Etsy is I really
1: got bogged down with a lot of orders for the same things, just because of the way it's programmed to work with all the algorithms. And like once something is popular, it is going to be popular for a long time once it's showing up on like the first couple pages of something. Right. I had a, a lot of products that would just go crazy on either tumblr or there used to be this site called wanello want need love (laughs) it was so silly but things would just get reposted and reposted and people would get routed back to me and i'd sell so many of the same shirt with lavender embroidered on the pocket or a tie-dyed shirt that looked like a yin yang like things that i liked because i made them but after you make hundreds of them it's not quite the same but it's hard to turn it down when it's orders and it's an income but i just kind of got to a point where i felt really controlled by it and like i didn't anything I would do that was like creative and that I liked and that was different from those few things that would become so popular, just wouldn't really, they were hard to sell. They weren't very well received and I just got tired of it. So made the shift to doing more markets and working with local shops has been really fun as a way to meet people. And there's so many great small businesses in Grand Rapids and I love uh, working on consignment isn't bad because it's a kind of collaboration between you and these businesses that, also want you to succeed and will succeed if you succeed because you split the price. That's been really fun. And I've gotten really good feedback from there too. Like, oh, have you thought about trying to make this? Like this customer was telling me that they'd like to see whatever. And that gives me some good ideas of where to go next. So it's definitely more interactive, your business
0: now, than it was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a website still, but it's definitely a lot slower, but it makes it easier to keep up with for me and I'm able to offer more unique things because I'm not worried about oh I don't even want to list this if I can't sell 30 of them I feel more comfortable doing different things and putting like prints online that I may only have one or two of was
0: that like scary for you to be like okay I'm kind of turning off this faucet of revenue (laughs)
1: and now trying to turn on another
0: one Um, have you been able to recover as far as your business goes like can you still make the same amount of money
1: yes definitely oh my gosh it was kind of a I started doing the markets before I transitioned away from Etsy too. So I kind of had this like introductory, like, oh, this can be really profitable. I remember the show that I, the first one that I like made my month's rent in a day, which isn't crazy, you know, for them to be worth your time of lugging everything there and setting up, you need to make a decent amount. Yeah, it was a big realization. Like, wow, I really could make this work. And if I put more time into it, I know it would pay off. So it's always scary at first to like walk away from something that, you know, is, kind of stable but just like the stress of always being behind and always having to keep up with so many people just that didn't really have fair expectations just in the way that Etsy's changed Um, not everything's handmade anymore most people don't even read the descriptions of things they just like see it on Pinterest and are like I want that and I want it tomorrow like Amazon Prime
0: they don't understand that it's
1: made to order and there's a waiting list and that all of these things so I just got so tired of like having to justify everything to everyone all the time and Yeah, just got tired of it. So it's definitely worth a peace of mind to to be able to go to a show and leave and you know, you're done when you leave. And And were the shows
0: what led to the consignment and business partnerships? Or did you actually approach businesses?
1: So the two places I work with mainly, I'd say I found them through social media more than anything. Like, I met um, Megan from Adventure Textiles. Just I always loved when I was in high school and would come downtown, we would always go to parliament just cause I loved their whole natural vibe. And I was interested to see what they would make and then took a workshop with her, started talking to her, kept seeing her everywhere at different events in town. And, um, eventually she picked up on that. I was an artist too and asked to collaborate. So she approached me about that one. And then that led to working with now Gemini handmade just through working with her being around that store. And then Elise and Jake, the other business owners and current owners of Gemini, um, seeing the sort of stuff I do and being like, hey, yeah, let's get you on board. And then um, Stephanie from Nestology uh, used to be run up books and mortar that was attached to a coffee shop on the west side and was transitioning away from being books and mortar and towards it being her own thing that was a gift shop and handmade stuff because she makes jewelry. She's actually a friend of my boss's as well. And through social media, that was enough of a connection where I felt like I knew her to work with her through those few things and kind of followed her journey too with moving locations last year and so as far as Grand Rapids goes and other places too, it's it's mostly usually social media that draws that connection, I'd say.
0: Yeah, and social media is a huge part of a lot of handmade businesses right now. What platform do you find works best for you for and your business to help drive sales and make those connections?
1: I think I definitely rely on Instagram just because it's easy and I It's not as intimidating to me, I think, because it's based on pictures and I'm not the best with words. (laughs) so It's easy to just document what I'm working on and put it out there and not think too hard about it. And yeah, and that's kind of been what I've used for a long time. So I've had an existing following just that have kind of watched my business change. Yeah. And you have a pretty large following, Oh, I think it's like eight eight thousand something. That's awesome. That's really. awesome. And Did that
0: kind of explode <laughs> recently, or is that something that's been gradually on the upswing? It's for been years? a gradual
1: thing. I would th- I say like I would say my senior year of high school about when things on Etsy got really like where I was feeling behind all the time. That was kind of all all these other sites that my photos and products would get reposted on led to people that would follow me and I think it's definitely shifted you know I've people have unfollowed and new people have jumped on board as I've changed what I have done but it's stayed around that amount and gradually grown for the past two or three years I'd say but yeah it's such a weird thing I will never understand like <laughs> just how it works and why it gives you such a weird sense of credibility like it's just strange to me how people sometimes will take you more seriously based on this number. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't affect what I'm making. It just happens to be who's watching. Do you find that you get a lot of business off of your Instagram account? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, nothing crazy, but I definitely know that most of my website sales either come from somebody I talked to in person asking, Oh, do you have this size or a different color online? And I send them there. Or just from a post, you know, if I post a certain photo of whatever, and I sell a few of them, it's pretty easy to put the pieces together and see where they got that idea. So definitely a valuable
0: tool. Do you have advice for other people who are starting out?
1: I'd say first of all, there's just no reason to wait just the way everything is online right now. There's such an overload of content, that. But- if you want people to like find you and know who you are, and you can't start soon enough just having somewhere to refer people to so they don't like forget your name, there's no reason to wait and wait till everything's perfect and um hold back with those things and then I'd also say that it's just really important to take yourself seriously with everything, like with your pricing, with what you're making, with how you present yourself. Like there's no reason to be apologetic about anything. There's no reason to be unsure because people are only going to take you as seriously as you take yourself. Definitely like so much of art and the business involved in it is just based on people's perception and understanding the value that's there. Cause it's not always like Oh, I'm going to get paid this hourly wage. Like, that works for a lot of things and that works really well for a lot of people. But a lot of times, the value in things that are creative is in the idea and that, like, oh, what a, I can, my art professor had a good term for it uh, intellectual labor. <laughs> or just like that time you spend coming up with an idea and the quality of it and like the education that goes into that. It's a hard thing to quantify, but it's something you have to take into account, I think, when you're dealing with pricing and. Yeah, just with everything, just being being confident in things affects the way that people see you. And that's the biggest thing you have control over, I think.
0: How much of an education in selling your work did you get at Kendall? Do they teach the business <laughs> of art at all?
1: So they do. They definitely, in every program, they have their own version of this class called Professional Practices. But it's very much guided by whoever's teaching the class teaches you what works for them, which is great to know because there's so many ways to do this. I learned from a guy that was a digital painter and found a lot of money in doing religious illustrations. And he did a few book covers and things like that. And he's been a great help with working with different publishers and like sorting through what's legit and just how to talk to them. So I learned that specific skill from him. But for everyone else that only learned from him and might not have exposure to, I learned a lot more from just talking to other artists and friends that are doing what I'm doing so it's kind of limited in that way like you're learning from a very narrow mindset but they do like acknowledge it and talk about it and do what they can to prepare students for that but there's so many ways to go about it most of it I think is just like finding what works for you and like gathering as much information you can about that of the different ways you can make it into a career do you have a lot of friends who also sell their
0: work or are you one of the Mm -hmm. the few that are out there making money off your work already (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, I have a few close friends that do it very regularly, but um, it's it's kind of a hard thing to answer because a lot of my friends are other people that make things just because I've met them through different markets and stores and things like that. Right, right. It's just kind of like my group now. (laughs) Like, does everyone I know make things? Maybe. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, that sense of community is really nice to have, though, like being able to ask people their honest advice because they know because they do the same thing a lot of times is really, really nice. Well, and we didn't talk about your mural work. There's some fun things going on this summer that we're working on planning right now. So the first one is called the Rad American Women Project that Lions and Rabbits teamed up with Downtown Grand Rapids, Inc. to plan. So it's based on a children's book who, oh gosh, I feel terrible. I can't remember the author's name, but the whole book is a different woman for every letter of the alphabet that made a difference in their career and what they were passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fun? And they're all done in like this pop art style. So then through the gallery, we found... 26 different artists each to take a letter and then my boss has planned out like a walking tour of electrical boxes and they'll go in order of the alphabet and each artist will paint a portrait of the woman that they've been assigned and then there'll be a quote from them and some information and their name on another side of the box. Um, There's a few around downtown already some people might have seen there's Uh, Gandhi and uh, who else? Rosa Parks, just a a few. And it's going to be similar to that, but with a lot more freedom on the artist part, less of like a spray paint stencil and more of the actual work of art. So that is going to be done over the course of April and everything will be done by May 1st. Nice. And then and I'm very excited to see how that all goes. I love just how many people are involved. It's fun to see um, just everyone's interpretation. Are you doing one as well? Yeah. Yep. I'm doing Rachel Carson. So she was a big environmental activist in the sixties. So that'll be fun to research more about her too. And yeah. Fun way to learn about her. Yeah. It'd be a fun way for people also... in the
0: community to learn as they walk around town. They get their steps in, oh, for see sure. some great art. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. it just like makes more destinations for people to visit, more to do that doesn't cost money, which is really great and gets people out walking around And then another project that we're working on is, so we help organize a street fair in Creston every year called Best of Creston. I helped with it last year, and then it started the year before. And this year, we're doing things a little different. It's going to be called Creston After Dark, and it's going to be a mural festival and a mural competition. So the street will be closed near Leonard for a few blocks. And then throughout June and the beginning of July, there's six or seven of us painting different sides of buildings. So we're applying for grants to make that work. And yeah, I'm really excited. There's some really cool artists involved in that. And the day of will be so fun. You know, they have like police car karaoke and an artist market and food trucks. And it's definitely a good time. It's free to get into and definitely something worth checking out.
0: That's awesome. So you're doing a lot of community art and also your own business. And do you find that being in having a hand in all these different things is what keeps it fun and you know, you don't get bogged down in any one area, like, oh geez, I have to print more tea towels, the same image that everyone <laughs> wants, you know. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you that variety yeah. is, is nice.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It just helps you meet more people too being um involved in different like facets of creative work. You meet a lot of different people, like through the gallery and through this community stuff. I meet a lot of people that own businesses and I'm able to learn from them and through the art markets, you meet more just like people my age walking around that want to have a good time and shop, and yeah, it just gives you some good exposure to different groups of people.
0: And I know that you're in Grand Rapids right now. Where did where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school?
1: Oh, so I'm from Hudsonville, so really close by, about a half hour away. So that made it easy to make the leap to go to art school too when it's expensive and people kind of make fun of it as being so impractical just because it's so close to home it was less of a risk well yeah you've made it look very practical
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah as the mother of an art student um yeah I feel I, I love hearing stories like yours where you have an art student who's already (laughs) making money, hasn't graduated yet, and is not in extreme debt. So uh, you are an inspiration (laughs) to a lot of people out there. Uh, So I I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say, because I know you need to go teach an embroidery class, so I don't want to hold you up. But is there anything else that you want people to know before you get on with your day?
1: Yeah, there's just, just one, just if anybody would be interested in seeing what I've been working on for my thesis stuff. I've been working on, big copper plate etchings that are layered over each other. And those are the more metaphorical ones that like take into account different natural species and compare them to different relationships in my life loosely. But it's just kind of fun. It's a little different than the sorts of things I normally do. But Kendall has a big open house where every, all of the graduating students put on an exhibition on the floor of their program. So the whole seven floors of Kendall is filled with what everyone's been working on in all their different mediums. And that is May 7 from four to seven. If you come then too, there's some snacks and everybody's there and it's just a good time. A lot of the artists are there so you can talk to people who made these things. And yeah, definitely something worth checking out if you're thinking of going to Kendall, if you just want to go see a good, fun show of people that are like current and learning new skills. That's a good good thing to check out. And what time is that show on the 7th? The reception is from 4 to 7, but it's up in the school from May 7 to May 11. Um, just whenever the school is open, you're able to go in and check it out.
0: And then if people want to buy your work or see your murals or see any of the stuff that you're doing, uh, if you want to go ahead and say your website address, we'll get that out there. Sure.
1: So my website is just Um There's a lot of different there's portfolio pages to see my work and then a shop to see products. And then the best way to keep like up to date with what's going on currently would just be Instagram, which is just Solstice
0: Handmade. I hope you're planning to stick around Grand Rapids area for a little bit. Is that the plan for now or what do you ultimately want to do in the future?
1: Yeah, that's the plan for right now. I'm kind of looking at. There's a school in Asheville called Penland that has a really awesome oh, yeah. print program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they have a really cool program where you go and called the Core Fellowship Program. You can work like ten, fifteen hours a week, and they give you somewhere to live, and you can they feed you, and you can take as many classes as you want for free. Oh wow! So. I know that's a hard one to pass up. So, that would be I would apply next November and go down there in February if I get accepted and if I choose to do this like immediately, basically. But that's something on my mind for sure. And then grad school sometime before I'm 30, but just so that I can teach later on down the line. I'd really love to do that, like teach at a university. I think that'd be so fun because so much of printmaking is just people teaching people like in person and talking one to one there aren't a ton of like books about it and it's so so much of it is just involved in the people and what people have found on their own through experimentation to work mm-hmm. and i'd really like to contribute to that and be a part of that so well yeah, that sounds I'll, like I'll a really fun plan for a while.
0: yeah well that sounds like a really fun plan and i yeah i hope you do get that fellowship that would be fantastic
1: I hope so, too. Thank you. Yeah, well, good (laughs) luck. Thank you so much for having me.
0: A special thanks to Dana for being a guest on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you folks at home did, too. It's always great to get some inspiration from people who are out there doing this thing. They're they're out there making a living off their art, and I think this is just really encouraging. You know, don't wait. Get out there and start your online shop now. Do the work. Make those connections collaborate, doors will open and you'll, you'll get some traction. If you want to know more about Dana, I will put, be posting links over at craftsanity.com for you to click on so you can visit her shop and check out some of her work that you can order online. If you're in the Grand Rapids area, she sells as a number of local places as well. So you'll see her work. She also Sells at a lot of um, local uh, markets and markets across the state. So she's all over the place. (laughs) And you can follow her on social media as well. And I'll put all those links at craftsanity.com for you. And if you'd like to take a class, I'm also posting the links to her workshops. So if you are interested in learning embroidery or screen printing from her, uh, you'll have some opportunities to do that. And for all of you local folks, if you'd like to check out her senior show over at Kendall College of Art and Design, the Fed Galleries. It will be up from May 7th through the 11th. so that would be a good chance for you to go see your work in person and also check out the work of the other graduating seniors over at Kendall. One last thing that I wanted to mention is that Dana invited me to teach a class over at Lions and Rabbits in Grand Rapids and so I'm going to bring a small loom weaving class to the gallery on June 2nd in the afternoon. So if you're interested, I'll put the link at craftsanity.com so you can click over and check out the class description and get a ticket if you're interested. I will be teaching some ground weaving and uh, beginning tapestry weaving, and all the participants will go home with some Craft Sanity looms to continue their weaving. So it should be really fun. And I just really like Lions and Rabbits as a inspiring space to take classes and teach in. So I hope you guys can make it out for that. With all that, I think I have gotten to a point where I need to go back down to my studio and print. I am working on some embroidery samplers that will be in my shop soon. And I'm making another batch that I'm going to be using to teach a finals relaxer session at Grand Rapids Community College where I teach journalism Every semester before the final exams, we try to do some things on campus that can calm people's nerves a little bit. So I've been teaching a series of art workshops and this semester we're doing embroidery. So I've made some new samplers and I'm gonna be printing those and getting the kits ready for that class that's coming up this week. And then, like I said, I'll have some more samplers available at the Craft Sanity Etsy shop very soon. Thanks so much for tuning in folks. I'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to this episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time
1: next